The following podcast is presented by the Women in Comedy Festival as part of the WICF Podcast Network. Check us out at WICF.com slash podcast. This is Adapted with Anna and Sam. We love books and we love movies. Warning, here be spoilers. Welcome to Adapted with Anna and Sam. I'm Anna. And I'm Sam. In this podcast, we talk about a book, we talk about a movie or TV show based on that book, we play some fun games, and we encourage you to read and watch along with us. This episode, we're talking about the timeless holiday classic, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, and the 1951 film adaptation, originally titled Scrooge. And joining us is a very special guest host, an expert on this adaptation, since he's seen it approximately 40 times. Give or take. Give or take. <laughs> My husband, Stephen. Hi, oh. Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm so glad to be here. We're glad to have you. Very. Yay. So, Sam, thoughts on A Christmas Carol? <laughs> um, so, I know we won't actually be talking about it today, but as I was reading the book again, I saw and heard Gonzo every time I recognized a, movie, <laughs> a line from the movie. <laughs> I just couldn't help myself. And that would be a different adaptation. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, Stephen, quick take on A Christmas Carol? Uh, I have no objectivity with this uh, movie and the book on which it is based is a huge family uh, tradition the way some people are with you know Charlie Brown Christmas or Charlie Brown Halloween or I don't know Charlie, Charlie Brown, Brown sweaters. Easter yeah whatever yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've got no objectivity I absolutely love it to pieces uh, so I'm excited to talk about it awesome yay All and right. Anna what's your quick take I forgot to write one Oh. <laughs> I was so busy writing everything else. Uh, my quick take is that I love A Christmas Carol. I I was really excited to be rereading the book, and it's a film I've seen many times. So Very nice. It's top-notch stuff. I'm excited. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. So who wants to go first on Six Degrees? I think Stephen should go first as the guest of honor. Oh, I feel so honored. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so my Six Degrees, uh, bearing in mind that I didn't actually get to uh, watch um, uh, uh, oh, Starship, Starship Troopers. Troopers with you guys. I was in the next room uh, doing dishes and fixing furniture and cursing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We like it when he does that. Yay, me. <laughs> Uh, so six degrees. I have. Uh, we begin in Starship Troopers with Michael Ironside, that nice. famous box-faced character actor from the '80s and '90s. Uh, he was in Terminator Salvation with one young Mr. Christian Bale. <laughs> Truly, the greatest of the Terminator uh, set. Your sarcasm reads loud and clear. Oh, good, good. <laughs> uh, who was in uh, several movies with Michael Caine? Uh, pick I'm one, Caine. but we'll call. My name is Michael Caine. Yeah. We're going to do that a lot tonight. <laughs> uh, I'll say The Prestige. And Michael Caine, of course, notable for being Scrooge in The yes, Muppets, Muppets Christmas Carol, where he wasn't entirely sure whether he should be talking to the puppeteer or the puppet. Like, you could see him in all the musical numbers being like, oh, oh, you've you've, you've got a puppet on. Do, do I talk to you or do I talk to the... All right, yeah. 
<laughs> he doesn't know what to do with his hands when he's singing. Nope. <laughs> Not that you could really call that singing. Yeah, uh. well, with his speak singing, he gives Rex Harrison a run for his money. Ah. Uh, Michael Caine was with Sir Patrick Stewart in the seminal classic Nomeo and Juliet. and It was terrible. Let me just say, looking at the IMDb page for Nomeo and Juliet, you know that there's got to be a lot of summer homes in Malibu owned by reputable British character actors. <laughs> I think Maggie Smith is in that one, too. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah. It's really bad, guys. It's really bad. And uh, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. It was on TNT one day, and I was like, eh, why not? And then I was like, oh, that's why not. Isn't that TNT's <laughs> motto? Yeah, <laughs> why not? It's on. <laughs> it's raining outside. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Patrick Stewart was in Smiley's People, uh, a uh, featuring Sir Alec Guinness, but a, uh, one of the George Smiley series by John le Carre, right, right, right. with Alan Rickman, who we all know from Harry Potter, pick your Harry Potter movie which also featured Rafe Fiennes Mm -hmm. as uh, he whose name shall not be spoken. And Rafe Fiennes was in the Avengers movie. No, not that one. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Uh, In the movie adaptation of the 60s TV show, which was... The Emma Peel Yeah, the Emma Peel and John Steed, the British Avengers, which is why in England the Avengers movie was released as Avengers Assemble. It was not Ah. released as the Avengers. Uh, but he was in that movie with Patrick McNee, who played John Steed originally in the TV series, but was in the movie as the disembodied voice of an inventor who had accidentally made himself disappear. So, Like you do. Patrick McNee plays young Marley in A Christmas Carol. That's right. So, There you go. You managed nice. to get a couple of Scrooges Yeah, I got two there. Scrooges in nice. there. Nice. Good job. Two Scrooges of Juicy Raisins. Uh, Michael Caine and Patrick Stewart. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, and didn't Alec Guinness do? Scrooge? Yeah, but he wasn't actually one of my guys. I just mentioned his name. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I just name dropped Alec Guinness because anytime I have the opportunity, I will. Fair sure. enough. Yeah, he's totally class. Anna, do you want to go next? Sure. So, Starship Troopers to A Christmas Carol. We're going to start with Casper uh, Van Dien, who is in a little nugget called The Twelve Trees of Christmas. <laughs> Was that on Hallmark? Uh, I, I actually don't know. That really sounds like a nugget. Um, you're going to notice a theme, though, in, in yeah. my films. Oh. Ooh. Uh, with Robin Dunn, who is in American Psycho 2, All-American Girl. With Mila Kunis, who was in A Bad Mom's Christmas. Nice. With Peter Gallagher and his eyebrows. <laughs> both of which him. were featured in, I think this counts as a Christmas movie, While You Were Sleeping. Oh, no, it's totally a Christmas movie. With Glynis Johns, who is in Mary Poppins, with Hermione Badley, who plays Mrs. Cratchit in A Christmas Carol. (laughs) So I managed to get, let's see, one, two, three Christmas movies in. Nice. Excellent job. I don't think American Psycho 2 and American Girl is a Christmas movie. I didn't. Haven't seen it, though. I didn't watch it. So it could be a Christmas movie, and I just don't know it. It, it, it's mean, a, probably a Christmas movie in spirit. Oh, yeah, for else. sure. Yeah. Uh, All the killing. Christmas spirit. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sam, what are your six degrees? Um, so it's actually really funny. I started at the same place Stephen did, and I end at the same place that Anna does. Yeah. What? Starship Troopers to a Christmas Carol. So, <laughs> so I started with Michael Ironside, who was in Scanners with Patrick Magoon. Uh, Patrick Magoon was in Braveheart. With Brian Cox. Brian Cox was in Nicholas and Alexandra with Julian Glover. That also stars Alec Guinness. 
Mm. Also, Julian Glover's been in like half the movies we've done this season. Yes, he has. He's our like unofficial, unofficial mascot. Yeah. Do we have to do like a Julian Glover award or something? No, because like, what do you? You can't. You'll never. You'll always choose choose poorly. Yeah. And then Julian Glover was in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade with John Reese davies Oh, John Reese davies I love him. John Reese davies was in Victor Victoria with Julie Andrews. Oh, I love that movie. And then Julie Andrews was in Mary Poppins with Hermione Badley. There you go. Oh, nice. Mrs. Cratchit. Yeah. You know, like you do. I have more doubts cool. about the quantity of flour. <laughs> uh, Sam, would you like to tell us a little about the novella? Sure. So, A Christmas Carol, or as it's formally known, A Christmas Carol, in prose, being a Christmas, a ghost story of Christmas, is a novella by Charles Dickens, first published in 1843. This story, similar to Rebecca, has never been out of print. It has been adapted into numerous films, both live-action and anim- animated, stage plays, radio plays, ballet productions, and even an opera. Yes, just like Rebecca. Again. They have so much in common. They really do. Mm-hmm. Ghosts. Hauntings-ish. Drownings. Drowning. Yeah, drownings, for sure. I assume. Yeah. Murdered wives. Upper-class Brits. Right? There you go. Okay, fine, if you're going to be serious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dickens himself began to perform stage readings of his novella in 1849 and continued to perform it every year until the year of his death in 1870. I think it said 127 productions in total he did. Wow. Wow. He performed it in right here in Boston too. Yeah, yeah I thought you were going to say he performed it in drag when he was playing Mrs. Dilber, but no. Was... <laughs> <laughs> he also performed it in an episode of Doctor Who. I mean, wait, no, that was Simon Callow as Charles Dickens. Yes. It's easy to confuse thing, them, right? Yeah, well, I'm pretty done. sure Simon Callow now lives as Charles Dickens because that's all I've seen him do in the last ten years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, he did. Um... He did do that uh, Red Nose's Downton Abbey parody. Yeah, it's Julian Fellows. It's Julian Fellows. <laughs> do I do it? How do I do it? Oh but God. that's about it. Up yeah, and downstairs, Abby. <laughs> oh, man. And I feel like everyone knows the story of A Christmas Carol. Um, so much of the story has become synonymous with Christmas, and so many words and phrases have actually entered our everyday lexicon. So we all know what a Scrooge is. Uh, we know what it means when we hear bah humbug. We know who Tiny Tim is and that Marley was dead to begin with. Um, And of course, God bless us, everyone, as Tiny Tim is fond of saying. Um, And so I don't want to belabor the summaries. I'm sure everyone listening is very well versed in the story. So I'm going to do my best to hit only the highest points. Um, Dickens tells the story in five staves, which is just a fancy name for chapters, really, because why not be fancy? It's Christmas. Um, So stave one, Marley's ghost, introduces us to Ebenezer Scrooge, that tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. I totally heard that in Gonzo's voice. You're absolutely right. Thank you. Yeah, no. Oh, no. See, I hear the narrator from the 51. (laughs) Uses the same description. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's right from Dickens, so. Yeah. You dance with the one who brung you, I guess. Exactly. (laughs) Um, his nephew, his clerk, and his clerk, excuse me, and his dead business party partner, Jacob Marley. Uh, Christmas Eve night, the same night Marley died seven years ago, Scrooge receives a visit from the ghost of Marley. Marley is wrapped in change made of chains made of cash boxes, keys, padlocks, ledgers, deeds, and heavy purses wrought in steel. 
Marley warns Scrooge that he will be haunted by three spirits who will represent Scrooge's only change chance to forge a new path in life and also in death. In Stave 2, the first of the three spirits, we meet the ghost of Christmas past and travel back to Scrooge's childhood and youth. Ghosty number one tortures Scrooge with memories of his lonely school days, his dead sister, his ex-fiance, and her happy marriage slash family. In Stave, uh, Stave 3, the second of the three spirits sees Scrooge and the ghost of Christmas present drop in on Scrooge's clerk, now given a name of Bob, Bob Cratchit, and his family, where ghosty number two reveals he sees a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner and a crutch without an owner, perfectly preserved. Unless Scrooge changes his ways. They peek in on miners and then a pair of lighthouse keepers, moving on to a ship full of sailors, all celebrating Christmas. They stop in at Scrooge's nephews to observe the dinner party Scrooge declined to attend. Their time together ends with ghosty number two, revealing two wretched children at its feet, the boy ignorance and the girl want. These children are mans who beg at the feet of Christmas. Like you do. Please, sir. <laughs> I want some scraps of whatever. Okay, so wrong Dickens. And that was... There's no wrong Dickens. <laughs> and that was a terribly done misquote. You're a terribly Please, done. Please, sir, may I have some more? Well, I'm fine. May I have some more ignorance and you, want? You can have some more backside outside of my hand. Please, <laughs> sir, can may I have some more backside? <laughs> Look, I've, I just, I've seen Oliver, exclamation point, many, many times. Oh. Okay? The legitest of all. I mean, Which you mean we Oliver should do and that? company? We, we should do that adaptation. What one? Oliver. Oliver. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Clearly. Consider yourself. <laughs> Home. Oh my God, that's the one with um. City yourself. Oliver Reed, right? Yes, Sykes. Oh my God, so bad, but so hot. I can't even get over it. Oh, okay. That's yeah. what does it for you? No, but he's really attractive in that movie. Okay. And then an... he turns. I'm into... more of a Fagin girl myself. <laughs> they should do an all men named Oliver version of Oliver, where like Oliver Reed and Oliver Plath. Nice. And... I think Oliver Reed's death. Dead. Yeah, he died during Gladiator. Look, they can bring them back. That's true. They, <laughs> they have they the technology They can CGI now. that nonsense. <laughs> Tell me more about Stave 4. Stave 4. Uh, Stave 4 called, nope, not what you're thinking. It's called the last of the spirits, not the third of the spirits. Oh, Tricky. Dickens. Mm-hmm. That's a Shyamalan-esque twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where Shyamalan got it from. Oh, truly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, find Scrooge in the presence of the specter of Christmas yet to come. This phantom treats Scrooge to several heartwarming scenes in which, in each of which people are disparaging a recently deceased man. I was going to do the quote from Beetlejuice, but I forgot, so I'm not going to do it anymore. The quote from Beetlejuice? Recently 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 deceased. Diseased. Diseased. The handbook of the recently diseased is actually the handbook of the recently deceased. I get it. Yeah. That's cool. That's that's not funny because I had to, like, miss it. It's, It's fine. We can move on. We can move on. You... <laughs> Ghosty... I wish that was based on a book. <laughs> I know, right? I'll do that next season. Okay. <laughs> um, Ghosty Never 3 never speaks, instead allowing Scrooge to come to his own conclusions. Ghosty Number 3 in the end leads Scrooge to his own grave, with Scrooge realizing that he is the dead man everyone is thankful to see the end of. Scrooge vows to the spirit to honor Christmas in his heart all year and live in the past, present, and future. 
Stay five, the end of it, brings Scrooge back into his bedroom as if hardly any time has passed. It is still Christmas Day! Yay! Yay! It's Christmas Day! <laughs> you boy, what day is it? What? What me? Um, Scrooge sends the prize turkey to the Cratchits anonymously, and then dressed in his very best, wishing Merry Christmas to everyone he meets, Scrooge heads, heads to his nephew Fred's, where he joins them all for Christmas dinner, including the really annoying Tupper, who can't leave his ne- Fred's wife's sister alone. Oh, he's so annoying. He's super date rapey that time. Yeah, I was like so skeezed out that whole time. He, like, there's like a thing between them. Yeah, but the way Dickens explains it, like, it's not until the very end that you realize, oh, wait, she kind of wants it. Right. They, like, disappear behind the curtains together yeah, at one like, point. But... Oh, okay. So Dickens is explaining it in this really creepy way, like, oh, he's, like, really all up in her, and he's touching her neck inappropriately. He's touching her hand. and Right. They're playing like, okay, blind dude. man's buff, and he's, yeah. like, super, he's got he's like, two <laughs> hands out right in front, yep. grabby, grabby. Yep. <laughs> he slips a ring on her finger and a necklace around her neck. I don't think you can do that without her, like... Is it a roofie ring? That's not a thing. (laughs) That's not a thing. Well, the thing is, like, (sighs) she is in on it, but, like, you really don't know until the end where she, like, Dickens reveals, Mm. oh, like, went behind the curtain together. Yeah. I I feel like you might be... I don't know, the consent's a little squishy until the end. Reading a little bit too much into it. I think you're reading too much into it. (laughs) I think he... Hey, speaking of reading too much into things, what about Dickens and his description of everybody as, like, a young girl in, like, a really... Uh. Like, I know it's, like, the patrician, like, way that they had in the time, but when he talks about people who are like, oh, that's a good romantic prospect, she's a young girl, she's such a little girl, what a little thing. It's very Rebecca. Okay. It's super Rebecca. I'm not saying Dickens can't be patronizing, I'm just... Yes. All right, let's move on. Okay, I have a couple more sentences. Um, The next day, Scrooge gives Cratchit a raise and buys him more coal so he no longer freezes. And then in the end, he became became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the old city knew. Gonzo again! Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Always Gonzo. And that's A Christmas Carol for those of you who have never seen a version of it before. Or right. read it. Or read it. Which makes me wonder how you were able to, like, operate your computer to get to this <laughs> podcast. <but laughs> yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. You cannot escape it's ubiquitous. It. Yeah. I feel like more people probably know the story of Ebenezer Scrooge than know, like, the story of Christ. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, it's probably better now. <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised if people know the story and may not necessarily realize it is A Christmas Carol just because yeah. it has become so much part of Christmas. Right. And like, the... Were there three ghosts? It's A Christmas Carol. Yeah. Exactly. And like the the whole thing of the the guy who's super grumpy at Christmas and then reforms, mm-hmm. like that's a hundred yeah. places. That's a Grinch. That's a Scrooge. That's, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, Stephen, would you like to report from the balcony on your apparently only version of A Christmas Carol ever? Sure. Yes. I will. Uh, my kind wife has uh, shown to me that there actually are other Christmas carols mm-hmm. that are worthy of attention, but... Uh, this is the family favorite by far. It is uh, something we've been watching every Christmas for my entire life. It was my dad's favorite movie to the point where, and here's a funny story about a funeral. Uh, <laughs> my brother and my sister and I each wrote a little speech for my dad's service, and totally independently we each referenced a Christmas carol, this particular version, and the 
the the family meme of watching it every year uh in our in our speeches and like by the time it got to me i was like well you know my dad's favorite movie was a christmas carol and people were like ha, 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 which was great <laughs> it was the funniest eulogy i've ever heard it was heard. it was a very funny eulogy um and you know to this day when we, you know we're all split up in three different households me and my my brother and sister when we're watching the movie we'll text each other what lines we're on and nice totally of con- out of context i'll know like oh i know what scene they're in now because because mark texted me eh, what for a christmas present you know <laughs> i know exactly what that's all about. he texts the accent it's frankly amazing <laughs> uh, that's, so, right there. that's what the iphone gets you yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's totally near and dear to my heart and uh i watch it a lot uh or at least well no we only watch it that once a year um so i've made this a, year we're actually watching I've it twice a special exception for this because uh, we watched it for this episode and we're mm-hmm. still gonna watch it christmas eve yes and i am gonna fall asleep nice that's that's part of the tradition that's part of the that's tradition <laughs> I have seen the whole movie, but it's, once. but it's been a while. I don't always watch it all at once. Let's just put it that way. So, A Christmas Carol uh, from 1951, uh, directed by Brian Desmond Hurst and uh, with a screenplay and adaptation by Noel Langley. It is actually, as Sam mentioned, called Scrooge, uh, but for American audiences, they call it A Christmas Carol. And it stars Alistair Sim, who was a super big deal at the time. Like, he's an above-the-title name uh, at the start of the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, He was a big deal on the British stage, and he was, uh, you know, everybody knew who he was. Uh, I was telling a story earlier where uh, Alec Guinness even based one of his characters on Alistair Sim and stole from him. He just did an Alistair Sim imitation for his character in uh, The Lady Killers. So... Well-loved, well-known uh, character actor. He uh, even played the part in an animated version of the movie, or an animated mo- version of the book in uh, 1971, I think. Um, and he just has one of these great faces uh, as a theater actor. He is by no means a movie star matinee. He's not even, like, British handsome. He's mm-hmm. just... He's weird looking. He looks, <laughs> it is not a mistake that C. Montgomery Burns from The Simpsons looks the way he does because he is drawn and performed to be like Alistair Sim in A Christmas Carol. Uh, and he just, he's fantastic at the comedy, but he's also fantastic at the uh, grump. <laughs> he is aggressively paranoid and even feral at times. At the beginning of the movie, he is. Uh, approached by somebody who owes him money and he doesn't recognize him he goes who are you you know he just (laughs) instantly pulls back and recoils angrily and terrified i love him he's great uh the movie itself owes a lot to the book not surprisingly but they acknowledge that they wear it on their sleeve as sam said it's never been out of print it is super popular uh and it celebrates and acknowledges the debt that it owes to the book uh the opening shot is literally the book opening mm-hmm. uh, to the title page and dialogue and scenes are lifted straight out of the book. Um, so it's a very faithful to the descriptions and to the structure, except of course, where it veers into uh, it being, it conflicts with what's appropriate for cinematic storytelling, um, which we'll talk about in a minute. The style of the acting is super theatrical because mm-hmm. everybody in the movie in 1951 was a theater actor and it's very presentational but in a way that I think works super well for Charles Dickens because the emotions are very heightened mm-hmm. the morals are totally worn on their sleeve it's they're they're 
everything's played to the hilt. There's no coy, like, right. oh, what's the message of this? It's like they will turn to the camera. I mean, they won't, but, you know, if Dickens were alive, he would turn to the camera and say, be good to people. And you know, <laughs> there's no... Don't be a dick at Christmas. Yeah, exactly. That's his, yeah. Uh, and, and so the, the the heightened British style totally works. Mm. Um one of the main things, one of the main differences about the book or about the movie uh, compared to the book that is true in a lot of the adaptations is that there's a lot more time spent in the past mm-hmm. than in the present or the future. In the book, the or the novella, I should say, each of the staves is roughly equal length, but mm-hmm. uh, the movies tend to give a lot more weight to the past because it makes a better arc for Scrooge mm-hmm. you it's more satisfying dramatic dramatically you to see how he came to be who he is whereas when they spend a lot of time in the present they're spending a lot of time with people who are not directly related to Scrooge they're spending time with minors and mm-hmm. when I say minors I mean like yeah I was gonna say we should clarify yeah, yeah, sorry. people who work, digging in the earth. who work in the yeah. bowels of the earth as the guy M-I-N-E-R-S um so uh, uh yeah it's 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 much more interesting to see how Scrooge got there and like our our daughter when she watches a movie and there's a bad guy in it she's like but why is he bad mm-hmm. why did he do the mean thing and it's just a great lens into like how people approach <laughs> approach mm-hmm. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> art interpretation to see a four-year-old just ask the stupid questions because it's like oh right that's that's what we're all supposed to be asking why all the time. is Kylo Ren mean mm-hmm. yeah why is Kylo Ren mean mm-hmm. pretty much the same reason as Scrooge some bad yep. happened to yep. him and uh, he got super he angry it. yep I don't say that to my to my daughter. No, but we also don't swear on the podcast. Right. Pretty okay. much the same reason as Scrooge. Some bad <laughs> things happened to him, and he got really, really angry about it. So, um, <laughs> And the other thing is that the future, you know, the other thing about the pacing is for film is that the future needs to be faster because mm-hmm. as you're getting towards the climax, yep. the future's got to move along faster than, oh, it's a whole other stave of the future. <laughs> um, the side effect is, though, <clears throat> that it seem, the, when they add more stuff to the past, it seems like everything important in Scrooge's life happened at Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I would super hate Christmas, too. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah, I started making a list. I was like, why is every major life event on Christmas? In your entire, yeah, exactly. It's like his sister's death, his partner's death. He proposed to his girlfriend. He broke up with his girlfriend. For some reason, that pivotal board meeting happened on Christmas. (laughs) Okay, okay. Yeah, right. Board meetings are happening on Christmas. Everything is Christmas. His first day of work happens on Christmas at the new job. Or at least Christmas time or whatever. So there's a couple of storylines that they expand in to make the past make sense. And uh, the first is his sister, who actually gets a name. Dickens, like... I actually reread it. She, she does get, like, it's briefly mentioned fan. Yeah. But, yeah. like... Oh, but... Uh, oh, that's right. He does yeah. he does give her a name in this one. He, yeah. He's weird about the people he doesn't give names to, yeah. though. It's like, I'm going to talk about Fred's wife as... Scrooge's niece. Scrooge, Scrooge's niece by marriage yeah. and Scrooge's niece by marriage did this and Scrooge's niece by marriage did that but yeah. <laughs> like just call her like Bertha and move on with it so <laughs> Agnes uh, right Agnes Bertha yeah same thing uh, so we Calendula <laughs> these are all good names it's, it's all equally equally valid Caligula what Calendula oh, Caligula <laughs> that's just silly Sam I'm sorry, Stephen. Sam rudely interrupted you. Please go on. God, Sam. (laughs) So we get a couple of scenes with Fan this time instead of like a throw-off scene or instead of just the one scene in the school. And Mm -hmm. what I will say is the scene in the school introduces her and it's like 
the familiar relationship. Every time we watch that, my sister and I are like, how come you're not like that with me? It's <laughs> like, oh, my dear brother. Oh, my dear. You're the only one who loves me. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a little weird, but it's also kind of nice. <laughs> and uh, they introduce Fan's theme, which is this like old uh, British tune. And it's a great point to bring up that the music in this movie is really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fan gets her own little theme. Scrooge gets like ominous oboe yep. and uh, Bob Cratchit gets strings and everybody, it's its like listening to Peter and the Wolf. Like everybody's got oh, mm-hmm. here's a theme and I know who's coming on, on, on screen now. So uh, then we also, however, get Fan's deathbed scene and we know it's the deathbed scene because her music switches to a minor key. And <laughs> Uh, it sets up the animosity towards Fred that they mentioned in the pre, you know, in the book they mention it, but we actually see it play out. And of course, when she's dying, she like goes, and then he walks off screen, and she rallies for like half a second. It's like, please, Scrooge, take Ebenezer, take care of my boy. Which she's got a husband. He's standing, he's standing right there right in there. the room. Yeah. Right, he's totally useless. <laughs> but it's like the one time we see, and I think even in the book this doesn't happen. We see something that Scrooge didn't know about his own mm-hmm. past. We mm. see like there's like new information revealed. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the so that fleshes out the whole Fred relationship a bit. Then we've got the girl, his mm-hmm. paramour, uh, which is in the book named Belle, but yes. here her name is Alice, but that story gets fleshed out more because we actually see them woo. Uh, she's played by uh, Rona Anderson in the movie. And we see them woo, pitch woo, woo each other, whatever. Mm-hmm. At uh, Make at, woo. Make woo. Make woo. That's nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Woo! At uh, Fezziwig's party, looks like. Um, so we just get a little bit of like, oh, here's Scrooge when he's in love and like not a dick. It's That's like, pretty Aww. cool. Yeah, and uh, but then we get then we get the breakup scene, which is pretty much lifted straight from the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but then another scene is added to Christmas present, and we get to see that instead of fa- instead of uh, Alice, not Bill, instead of Alice uh, getting married and having the family that Scrooge should have had, she's ministering to the poor, yes. and it features it features this like. Irish beggar woman who says, uh, cut me throat, rip out me liver, condemn me life. This is the happiest Christmas I ever had. <laughs> and I think it's just the best. The best. Uh, you know what? <laughs> that line of greeting cards, I think, would just fly <laughs> off the shelves. <laughs> I think we should do that. The, I know what yeah. we're, I know what our Christmas cards are going to yeah. say next year. Nice. And, and the ghost who ain't got no time for BS is like, you cut yourself off from humanity when you cut yourself off from that lovely creature. So mm-hmm. the ghosts are way harsh on Scrooge in the movie in yeah, a way that are. I think they're not quite as harsh on him in the book. Um, he, he just really likes to like twist the knife. And then, as alluded, like the Scrooge Marley relationship and his rise in business is a big mm-hmm. storyline mm-hmm. about the past. And it makes more sense in the movie that Marley would come back to try to save Scrooge's soul if they had a past together. Yep. Um, and well, and it, there's there's a whole character that's created for the film. Right. Well, there's a couple characters, yeah. Um, um, there's... We, we, we set up some relationships we're going to use later. And also, sure, you can get jaded and go from being, like, optimistic and, like, idealistic in love to being kind of a jerk or in your family to being kind of a jerk. But, like, business really rounds out the, like, oh, no, he's just like this to the whole world. His mm-hmm. entire worldview has been shaped yeah. by this by these various tragedies. 
So, uh, yeah, the character that they introduce is uh, Mr. Jorkin, who's played by Jack Warner, who apparently was a big deal. Apparently. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's got an important name. And, uh, he was he's, an and. I love him because he's like an unapologetically selfish guy. He... Uh, he int- he's introduced arguing with Mr. Fez Fezziwig about the like <laughs> relative merits of the industrial revolution. Yeah. <laughs> just like what? Yeah, right. <laughs> Which watching 150 years later, it's like, well, that ship sailed. Yeah. <laughs> and he uh, he takes a shine to Scrooge and poaches him. And uh, on Scrooge's first day, that's when he at Jorkins, which we don't know what these people do no. for like what is their business? They're importer exporters. I don't know. They're um, businessmen, and that's all you need to know. It's all Vandalay Industries. <laughs> Uh, he meets he meets Marley and like within thirty seconds of meeting each other they're not like well where do you keep the inkwells and the and the quills they're like so what's your philosophy on the world I think it's a cruel and selfish place they're like you know I say have you read Atlas Shrugged dude I have who is John Galt tattooed on my Charles Dickens like they're really into this like <laughs> super selfish like cutthroat do whatever you have to do to to like get ahead mentality and they, they find that out like yeah uh, and you're just like oh so this is this is how you okay so this oh okay this right, explains right. so much <laughs> and then they take over the the uh, jorkin and company i guess take over mm-hmm. fezziwig's business and sad fezziwig is so sad so sad oh yeah it broke my heart to see that yeah and i it's it, he he just like is sitting there moping in his in his carriage and then we got a scene of uh Jor- jorkin like, I thought you were going to say Jort, and I was like, no. Jort. Jort. We got <laughs> a scene of Jorts. Jort. Don't do that. Don't wear those. <laughs> Never. We got a scene of Jorkin who is uh, has misappropriated funds from his own business, and uh, Scrooge and S&M, who I've noted here, and I want to keep thinking of them as S&M because it's a really good <laughs> way to think of them. Uh, oh, they nice. bail out the company, and now they're the sharks. And they're, this is the first time young Scrooge and young Marley are played by the old Scrooge mm-hmm. and Marley. In Alistair scene. Sim and... Uh, Alistair Sim and uh, uh, Michael Horton. Michael Horton, thank they you. They are uh, thinking the youngest thoughts they possibly can. But they look, <laughs> they look un- utterly uh, ridiculous as middle-aged Scrooge and Marley there. And, like, everybody in the scene is a totally smug prick, and I'm super here for it. It's great. Oh, yeah. The smug looks they exchange are just delightful. Oh, yeah. And then we get Marley's death. And uh, Scrooge is so cold he won't even, like, close the business early to go check on Marley in his deathbed. (laughs) Which, and then, like, it's implied he doesn't even give Cratchit the day off for Mm -hmm. Christmas that year. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, your boss is dead and you have to come into work. I mean, I guess the boss is dead. It's a pretty good thing. But we meet um, Mrs. Dilber, who works for Marley. She's the chow lady. And she's played by uh, Kathleen Harrison, and we see her later in the pawnbroker scene. But we've actually like we use this to like set up a relationship with her mm-hmm. and um, uh, um, the Undertaker, not the wrestler, the guy who prepares the dead bodies. <laughs> uh, oh man, the nose on that dude! Yeah, right. Ernest Thesiger. I have no idea how to pronounce it. He looks like a who? Like he looks like mm-hmm. a Doctor Seuss character with this like amazing upturned nose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Jacob sees. Like at the end, he sees the error of his waves briefly. And the like error each, of his waves. The error of his waves. Like, <laughs> like, I, Scrooge, hang ten on a gnarly wave. I was going to say, is this an Aquaman prequel? <laughs> he tries to warn Scrooge, and Scrooge is like totally insensible to it. And mm-hmm. he's really blind of the spiritual stuff. He's like, have they seen to you um, last rites and all that? Um, and he just doesn't feel anything for even his best his best friend dying so 
it really like rounds out the character, it rounds out the relationship, and it brings it all home so that Marley visiting him actually matters a little mm-hmm. bit. They don't mention Marley once his ghost disappears in the mm-hmm. book. Um, there's a lot of threads where I feel like Dickens was like, oh, I'm totally going to use this later, and then he forgot. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going to create a new character. Yeah. And I forget well, he to give started him writing the book and then took a break to write a couple and then went back to it. Oh, okay. So, I mean, oh. Yeah, and I'm sense. not sure he did read what he'd written before. No, probably no. not. <laughs> there, there are like a few things, a few scenes that I miss uh, that are in the that are in the book that are not in the movie that are super awesome. Uh, I love that the I love that we see some of his debtors uh, celebrating that he's dead. Mm-hmm. Like they're not jerks about it, but they're like the guy we owe a lot of money to is dead, and that's kind of okay <laughs> And but as good as Alistair Sim is at being uh, a bastard. He is, it's all the more rewarding at the end when he totally reforms. Mm-hmm. And something that a lot of other Scrooges don't get is how silly he is in the book. In the book, he's like, he's putting on his clothes upside down and inside out. He doesn't really, like, he's totally, like, giddy and babbling and. Yeah, Alistair Sim's performance in mm-hmm. that Reformation scene is fantastic. Right. It's so childlike. And and we, we see Mrs. Dilber there, too, because mm-hmm. we've established her, and it means that. You know, he doesn't have to be talking to himself. Mm-hmm. He actually like has somebody to talk to now, and she's the first character that he's really kind to. And so that scene, the interplay between them, is a really sweet and a very funny moment. They're both like two pros uh, doing that scene. It's it's just a lot of fun. And Bob's reactions uh, in the scene in his office are just mm-hmm. uh, are yep, just super great. amazing. Uh, Mervyn Jones, I haven't mentioned him before. Mervyn Johns, I mentioned before, but I th- he's a fantastic Cratchit. He's mm-hmm. He's above Kermit to me. I'm sorry, guys. Wow. Well, that's know. a... And he's the father. High praise. High to Glynis Johns. Is he really? He is. Yeah. Oh. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. is. Yeah. So connection. Acting family. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And it just ends on such a nice, like, utter happiness and goodwill for everybody mm-hmm. kind of note, so... It's very nice. Mm. Yeah. Well, lovely. That was a very long balcony. Eh? Yeah. Some balconies are longer than others. <laughs> So, Anna, um, you have a special treat for us today. Yeah. So, as as you both mentioned, A Christmas Carol has been adapted so many times. We actually don't have the ability to talk about all of them in an hour-long podcast. So, I thought I would actually just so run through. So, we're expanding through. it to five today. Yep. <laughs> That's your Christmas present, game. Buckle up, kids. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, so, I thought I would talk about some of the, some of the versions that are out there because... Maybe this version isn't your favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are wrong. Um, uh, excuse me. Muppet Christmas Carol is not wrong. <laughs> you can love more than one thing. <laughs> so um, as Sam mentioned, uh, Dickens, of course, was the first one to perform this. Um, Wikipedia lists over 50 stage adaptations from Jeez. one-man shows to musicals. This has been adapted into a musical many, many times. Okay, kids. Did I tell you I was in it once? It was what? I was in it once. You were in A Christmas Carol? Yeah, not a musical, but I was Young Scrooge. You played Young Scrooge? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I didn't know that. When was Community Theater. Around was high it, school. When yeah. high school? Yeah. Okay. I was not good. <laughs> <laughs> I insist on seeing the tape. Uh, the first film adaptation was made in 1901. Um, let's see. So other notable film adaptations. 1970, there was a musical version starring Albert Finney as Scrooge and Alec Guinness as Marley's mm-hmm. Ghost. Because nice. we always have to bring up Alec Guinness mm-hmm. if we can. Uh, 
That's like what the fourth time we've mentioned him today already. Right. I feel we should. One I on. we should get a nickel every time we mention Alec Guinness. Um, <laughs> so the character Scrooge McDuck was originally created in 1947, of course, inspired by Ebenezer mm-hmm. Scrooge. Uh, it was not until 1983 that they actually told the story of Ebenezer Scrooge ah. in duck form right um in mickey's christmas carol <laughs> uh of course 1992 is a muppet christmas carol kermit the frog is bob cratchit gonzo the great is the cutest charles dickens ever mm-hmm. sorry simon callow and michael Caine clearly not knowing how to interact with puppets <laughs> <laughs> um there's a performance capture version directed by robert zemeckis uh, that came out in 2009 it starred jim carrey as scrooge and all three of the christmas spirits it's not the best. I, I, I have not seen it, but seen sh- it because it looks it's terrifying. Yeah, the shuddering is just because of the uncanny yeah. valley-ness of the Yeah, I feel like that's when motion Robert capture Zemeckis. was like, oh, this... It was just beginning. If you've seen, the, if you've seen um, his Beowulf, it's that same animation. Mm-hmm. So I don't recommend it. I'm, oh I God, feel like there's other things I'm going to do with my life. Uh, and again, according to the interwebs, which is never wrong, nope. uh, there's currently a new film adaptation that's in the works being written by Tom Stoppard. Oh, nice. I would watch that. Um, There's also been lots of TV versions. Basil Rathbone has done it twice, 1954 (laughs) and 1956. Um, He played Marley in the first one and Scrooge in the second one. Nice. Uh, In 1971, I think you mentioned this, Stephen, there's the animated short that Alistair Sims starred in. That actually won an Oscar. With Michael Hordern as... Yep, I think he was the prize role. And then Michael Hordern went from playing Marley twice to playing Scrooge... He moved up into the big leagues nice. in 1977. Uh, probably one of the most uh, popular versions out there uh, is the 1984 uh, George C. Scott version. Yes. A lot of people love that one. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, my, I think one of my non-Alistair Sim favorites is 1988's Scrooged, mm-hmm. uh, starring Bill Murray as the heartless TV producer who is still pining over his lost love, Raven, uh, Marion Ravenwood. <laughs> oh, Marion. Uh, they made a TV film with Patrick Stewart in 1999, mm-hmm. and then in 2000, a diva's Christmas Carol starring Vanessa Williams. That's right. As arrogant diva Ebony Scrooge. I remember uh. that. But so many other um, uh, properties have have given their unique spin on this. Uh, Mr. Magoo, Looney Tunes has done it twice, mm-hmm. once with Yosemite Sam as Scrooge, once with Daffy Duck. The Smurfs, Sesame Street, Barbie, Sonic the Hedgehog, My Little Pony, Thomas the Tank Engine and Friends, and Doctor Who, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Sonic the Hedgehog has a deep enough roster to... Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, I don't know enough about Sonic the Hedgehog to really comment on that, except I don't think he looks like a hedgehog. Uh, and Sam, you are wrong. There's not one opera. There's four operas. Oh, my God. There are four opera versions of A Christmas Carol. <laughs> well, thank you, Anna, for going through that extensive list. <laughs> so if anybody is not inspired to watch the 1951 version, you have your choice. You have other options. You have other options. I actually, options. like, I was looking at all the various TV shows that have done a Christmas Carol episode, and it, I think it would be easier to list... It's just shows like, that haven't yes. done it. This is like, like all of them. All of them? All of them. All of them. I think Friends didn't do it. That's it. I'm going to have to go through did. now and think about that. <laughs> like WKRP in Cincinnati did it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's crazy. Mm. And I'm just looking at the English language adaptations. I right? don't know what else is out and like, there. That is that, that's just how popular this story is mm-hmm. and how how much people connect to it. That It's just... 
Well, it's actually, I heard that uh, Charles Dickens ripped it off from a ja- from a, a Japanese anime. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was a manga first. Right, right. Like it's like it's not legal legally actionable. Right. Land King, but it's very it's so super close. <laughs> Is it time for some fun and games now? I no. think it is. Let's oh, yes. start with some heartthrobs and hairdos. Yeah. Uh, Stephen, who are your who are your top three hotties? Okay. Uh, so I, f- my top three hotties are uh, first off Fred's wife, because she is so nice to Scrooge when he like comes over and mm-hmm. decides to like you know stop being a dick. And, like, dancing with her is the culmination of his best Christmas day ever. And it's just so nice that, like, he gets to dance with a pretty girl at the end of the day. That's uh, she's, she's, she's kind and forgiving, and she turns on a dime with, like, oh, Scrooge is a dick. But, oh, he's, he's here and he's nice. Oh, uncle, you've made Fred so happy. It's great. <laughs> uh, so she's one. Um, my dad's heartthrob was the maid. Uh, and her name, that actress's name, is Teresa Darrington. She's the maid at Fred's house. She's like, he like had a crush on her when he was a kid because this movie came out when he was nine years old. Mm. And she has like ten seconds of screen time, but she's the cutest little thing. And uh, when Scrooge shows up, she like nods at him and encourages him to go through the door, <laughs> I that now. and okay. like she just gives him a sweet little thing. She, so I don't know. Apparently. Apparently, like Dickens, all of my heartthrobs are like, oh, I have a fatherly interest in you, little girl. Uh, And last but not least is Dennis. Dennis. Dennis, who I don't know if we even see him on screen, but at Fred's house, there's a party. And when uh, the conversation dips, Topper goes, "Uh, uh, Dennis, uh, polka. Yes. (laughs) And the polka starts up instantly. And I just love somebody. I love somebody who can like pull a polka out of their back pocket at a socially appropriate moment. Yep. I think all you ever see is the back of back of Dennis. Right, right, right. right. But yeah. what a sexy yeah. back right. of Dennis! That right. Is. I don't. But I I know more about him than just his looks. Yes. I'm maybe not. You know, as no, shallow you're, you're as some impressed people. by his yeah. talent. I'm impressed yes. by his talent and his and yeah. his depth. Yeah, those are my mm-hmm. hotties. All right, nice. Sam. Uh, mine are pretty straightforward. Uh, young Scrooge, mm-hmm. Young Marley, mm-hmm. and Fred. That's it. That's yeah. it. The three young men. Yep. That's it. That was my choices. <laughs> All right. uh, it wasn't going to be Scrooge. I was torn about older Marley, but he was a little too melodramatic for me. Mm. Like, he took the style of everyone else and upped it 10,000 times. Yes. And I was like, I'm going to pass mm. on you right now. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, my list overlapped with yours quite a bit. Nice. So. Uh, Scrooge's nephew uncle Fred. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> nephew uncle. Young young Scrooge nice. is 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 quite the cutie. But um, Michael Hordern is actually nice. on my list, and part of that is because he is in several other films that I grew up loving, and ah. I just I love him as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays uh, the king in a Cinderella. Uh, a musical of Cinderella called The Slipper and the Rose. Which oh yes, yep. I watched so much that we wore out the I wore out the VHS. Um, I love that movie that so much. That doesn't surprise me. He is delightful. Um, he is also in uh, the film uh, Joseph Andrews, which was made in the 70s. Oh, yeah. We watched that. Yep. Um, which That's is another uh, adaptation. Another adaptation. I, if it... 
I, I do love Henry Fielding, but his novels are really long. So I feel well, like no, we're Joseph not... Andrews is really short. For a Henry Fielding novel. <laughs> but it's still... Sh- it's still pretty... It's still oh, not a fast no. read. I mean, well, that's just because it's that time period. The, yeah, well, you have the combination of the language and... Exactly. The... But it's, it's like, if you look at it and compare it to, like, everything else coming out, it was really short. Oh, we yeah. read it in I mean, one... it's certainly shorter than Tom Jones. We History read it in my 8th, 17th century literature class. Yeah, we read it there. And um, one of our, like, kind of our projects was to kind of write something and we could pick like whether we wanted to write a scene in joseph andrews or something like that so of course i wrote a, a scene from joseph andrews as if it were a play mm. oh nice okay. yeah. oh good for you thank you thank you very much well but i actually read the book which well, is, the is whole your point, point of my story <laughs> i have read the book too i've seen the film many many times it's i love it it's a fantastic film um and Michael Horton is just absolutely perfect. So yes, his style in this film is very melodramatic. I'm not saying it's like it's, it's bad. He it was just literally does not to my taste the wrist, wrist to the, wrist the forehead. forehead. Oh, um, woe is I like. Me. I wrote. I wrote. I wrote. Where is it? Um, Marley is in a melodrama. Apparently, he is. Yeah, he's performing yeah. it like it's a melodrama. Uh, and uh, top three outfits, Stephen. Oh, I get to lead off with this one too. You, awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I love Scrooge's nightgown. Mm-hmm. I love the cuffs on his nightgown. I love when he cleans out his ears, his cuffs rattle. I think it's like it's like the same reason you give Superman a cape so you can see all his little mm-hmm. motions. All you of the get, things that are waving in the wind. Right. All the th- <laughs> So you give that to Scrooge and you get all of his like his dances. He's t- you know he's going commando because when he stands oh, on sure. his head after his reformation, Miss Dilbert throws her apron over her head and runs it, That is out shocking. Of the room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, Sim's hair. Alistair Sim's hair in his after the Reformation, uh, he goes to Mrs. Dilber and goes, "Mrs. Dilber, Mrs. Dilber, I'm not mad, even if I look it." And he runs <laughs> his hands through his hair straight up in the air, and that's the moment that I think is. Uh, He's got great hair. That's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. And then uh, a legit a legit article of clothing I want to own is Jorkin's jacket. Mm. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. In yep. the, in the last scene with Mr. Jorkin, he's wearing this like awesomely cut black number with white stripes and he looks like he looks like if Charles Dickens wrote Willy Wonka. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> um that's actually one of mine too is that jacket. I nice. will say we don't know it's black and white cuz if the film was in color it might be that's blue true. and pink. <gasps> Can you imagine if that thing is like vi- like red? That's awesome. Candy cane stripes. What if each of those each of the dark stripes is alternating colors but because they have the same saturation mm-hmm. level or brightness they level they all show up color. on the same it, oh. it could be a freaking I want Jorkin's coat of many colors. <laughs> yeah. So that striped coat is really impressive. Um my uh, my second one is uh, the Ghost of Christmas Presents open robe. <laughs> And um, <laughs> the, children can, the children can play under. <laughs> uh, I, like I'm going to talk about this more in a little bit, but yeah, yeah his his robe showing My his war his his chest. Yeah, uh, for it's the Baldwin-esque, world to see. Even. Also going commando. Uh, it's not Baldwin esque because <laughs> I don't think he has a quarter of the hair that Alec Baldwin <laughs> is smuggling. It's up there. It's... I mean, he's got hair. Mm-hmm. He's has like, oh, that's what a normal human's hair looks like. I mean, he's not He's not like Robin Williams. He's just like a wolf man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, at Fred's party, Miss Flora is wearing a very pretty dress. Oh, that's very true. nice. So there were a lot of pretty dresses mm-hmm. at the party, but Miss Flora's was my the, favorite. Uh, distant, unmovable Miss Flora. Oh, <laughs> Mr. Topper. You really are too much. Sam. 
Um, so mine was Fred's broad shoulder coat and checked cravat when he first visits his uncle. Oh, that is a broad shoulder coat. Cravat. You're right. How have I missed that? Oh, it's. Is it, it like gorgeous. David Byrne broad those shoulders? Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was like woo. You're like ho, Fred. He had to like go sideways through the door because they couldn't get <laughs> walking. <laughs> nice. Um, yep. And then uh, for me, it was Scrooge's moth-eaten bedrobe. Oh. Like you could see just all the ragged edges and. You're just like it's okay. You can you can buy a new one. That's a well loved slanket. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Scrooge's slanket. Um, and then the last one is Marley's Marley the ghost, his wig and ruffled shirt slash nightdress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah. that was very well done. Yeah, that's a good look. Yeah. 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 All right. All right, so is it time for some quizzes and questions? I think so. Let's go, Anna. Do you want to go first? Sure. I only have one. Okay. What disease does Tiny Tim have? I don't know. What is wrong with him? I don't know. Like, I've never known. Something is bad. It's made him... Lame. Lame. And something Scrooge can afford fixes it. it. Yeah. And he, like, he he loses breath easily, and I, he, I don't know. He seems like maybe he's underweight for yes, his age. he's small. Yeah. Um... Yeah. I, sir, I, my supposition is maybe it's an untreated gin allergy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. drinking hot gin that. punch every mm-hmm. Christmas. And, uh, like but it's, you. it's very carefully avoided. Yes. Any actual information about the actual medical like, condition it, he has. All it takes is Scrooge to raise Bob's. Pay, like salary yeah it's, it's well they have a hot gin punch and talk about <laughs> like what else they're gonna do so it's i think it's assumed he like nice gets pays him for a medical doctor treatment. and like gets, but, pe- gets but, peter a job but what treatment like what is it mm-hmm. i mean do they put leeches on him like what do they do <laughs> yeah he needs a good bleeding yeah so it's just it's mm-hmm. it's very um it just frustrates me. All right, that's my sy- one question. I, I, I'm going to say syphilis. Nice. It's, <laughs> it's clearly gonorrhea. And and Tiny Tim is more of a, a, a an ironic nickname. <laughs> He's two hundred pounds. Six foot four. All right. Who goes next? Steven? Steven. All right. I guess I'll ask a question. Uh, so Charles Dickens, right? He writes serialized fiction, mm-hmm. uh, which does really well when it's binged. He writes mm-hmm. long story arcs, long character arcs. He is clearly a closeted dramatist. What TV show or what kind of what what series of TV shows do you think Charles Dickens would be a writer for or should oh, be? Oh, clearly Downton Abbey. I was just gonna say, are we only saying that because Simon Callow? No, because Julian Fellows wants to be Charles Dickens. <laughs> Okay. Right. Well, he wants to be, but does Charles Dickens want to be Julian no. Fellows? All right. So, what would what would Charles Dickens? Well, Charles Dickens also had um, definitely a, a social minded. Yeah, he was very much into player. like revealing the social ills of the world. Yeah, and, social and, justice. So mm-hmm. who, I mean, like like a Boston legal kind of thing, <laughs> or like a. Yeah, I'm trying to get, and he definitely. I mean, he gets the different classes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like it's not the right genre, but I have to say, like some of their later Star Treks, uh huh. Like you know, when they started to get into like the classes yeah. and like yeah. the, the like they were using species, different alien species. And, you know, and that's great because if get... Dickens was alive today, he could he could do sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. I I see him writing. Okay, he's such a cheerleader for humanity mm-hmm. when you think about it, because 
even his baddest bad guys are like, oh, what's so bad about this guy? He's grumpy at Christmas, you know, <laughs> like he's, you know, he, he withhold gru- withholds gruel from orphans, not like he wears people's faces as a second face, you know, like <laughs> his yeah. bad guys aren't that bad. Mm-hmm. And he's such a he believes wholeheartedly that anybody can change anybody can be better anybody can be good i think he would be great in the writer's room of any of the michael Schur sitcoms yeah like if he was working on the good place where like it's all about finding ways to be good and reform and change yourself or if he was on even on brooklyn mm-hmm. 99 where he could like introduce new weird characters and new weird ideas and then shepherd them off and then have some growth for these people and i, I don't know i think he'd be good at that yeah, it doesn't seem like um, he would really excel at like law and order, coming up with new ways for people to murder each other. Yeah. Bung bung. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's a lot of cynicism in those kinds of shows, and I don't think, despite all the cynic. despite all the poverty he writes about, he writes about the noble poor. You know, mm. I don't. He's definitely not a cynic. So maybe he'd write for like I don't know Empire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, that's a really interesting question. I'm gonna and I'm gonna come up with a really great answer in about twelve hours. Excellent. Nice. Yeah, it'll be too late for this podcast because I'm not. Well, I'll, I'll tweet it. Now. I'll tweet it out. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, this is actually a great question to put to our listeners. So yes. if anyone else has like great ideas, what would Charles Dickens, what series would Charles Dickens write for if he was yes. writing right today? In even in the last twenty years, yes. right? Yes. Know, tell us what you think. Orange is the new Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> How to get away with Dickens? Right. Stranger expectations. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you know, maybe he would write for like My Little Pony, Friendship is Friendship. Magic. Like. Oh, he'd totally be writing for like Steven Universe or like one of those yeah. one of those su- super super woke cartoon shows. That would be great. Yeah, but I feel like he's like this wonderful mix of woke and patronizing. Yes. I feel like he's very much an Aaron Sorkin type. Totally. Yeah. Like he'd be writing for like sports or, like, night. Yeah. He'd be or in newsroom. the newsroom. Yeah. Newsroom. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Rupert disagrees. Rupert's a huge Aaron Sorkin fan. He yeah. can't help it. But he can't he can't reconcile that with his huge uh, streak of Ayn Rand yeah. moral objectivism that he's into. <laughs> yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. Sam, you got any questions? Uh, what was with that creepy AF puppet show? That creepy AF puppet show. That creepy AF doll. Yeah. What was it? So- Why? <laughs> Was it necessary? <laughs> do, no. Do, Did it advance the story do, do, in any way? Do, do, no. Do, 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 yeah. Yeah. So Tiny Tim, for those who it haven't seen horrifying. it, Tiny Tim like is uh, well, his mom is buying the goose, and it's like it's a tiny goose. Let's not kid ourselves. It's a Cornish game hen, but it's still bigger than Tim. Uh, uh, tiny Tim is like looking into the window at all the toys he can't buy, and one of them is this like automatically mechanical laughing. Thing that looks like yeah, it's all these like wind up toys. Right, that's right, what's right. big in the 1850s. Mm-hmm. Right, and he like this thing looks like if uh, if if uh, Oliver Hardy uh, mated with a ventriloquist doll. <laughs> that is what this thing would come out like. It's horrifying. It was awful. And it like yeah. giggle. It like laughs on its own. And, it's and we see and we see Tiny Tim reacting like, oh, isn't that cool? Cool. Yeah. And I'm like, filled I, with childlike I, delight. I would yeah, have some nightmares. Really yeah. I had nightmares. Yeah. That's yeah. a good question. I got Thank no answers you. for you. <clears throat> yeah, that, that's it was a, a penny. It was a darker time. Toy. Right? It was a darker time. Way yeah. darker. But yeah, back when was... back when people would would scare kids for fun. <laughs> that was my only question. 
I only had one. Did everyone only have one question? Yeah. It was a really hard. It was a hard, hard, hard movie to come up with questions for. All right. How about this? Uh, okay. So for my family, it is not Christmas without a, without a Christmas Carol. Like mm-hmm. if there's one thing, we had to scrap it all, but save one thing to do at Christmas to let you know that it's the this movie would be it. Is there like what's it not? Halloween without, or what's it not Thanksgiving without? Do you have a holiday that is made by a singular, ideally pop culture experience? Uh, for me, for Halloween, it's Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, totally. You can double that up with Christmas. Exactly. Like yeah. it's not the holiday season starting with Halloween until I've watched that movie multiple times. In our house, it's not a Tuesday without Nightmare Before Christmas because our daughter <laughs> insists on watching it. It's such a good movie. All yeah, the time. she's she's watched that a lot. It's yeah. good. She goes through that phase. I'm trying to think. Like, what is the? So for me, and this might be at the root of some issues that I should talk to a therapist about, <laughs> every holiday is defined by food. Mm. Mm. Like, it's not Thanksgiving without turkey and the traditional sweet potatoes where my grandmother makes them. It's not Halloween without chocolate. It's mm. not, um, and it's not Christmas without the traditional German dinner that my mom has made for as long as I can remember of yeah. sour braten and spätzle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's it's not Easter without the mini Cadbury <laughs> eggs. Like, it's not the Fourth of July without hot dogs and corn on the cob. Like, the food makes the celebration. Every single holiday, it is the food, and I think I think maybe I need to talk to someone. About that. <laughs> but food is love, and yeah. also the, there are just issues there you that go. I have, yeah. you guys. <laughs> um. Well, that's a good question this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah, very good, very good. No must-have Arbor Days out there in listener mm-hmm. land. Uh, birch bark to chew on. Oh, there you go there for you Arbor go. Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> yeah, so let us know what you guys do for the holidays. Like, what gets you in the mood? Like, is there a tradition that you have every year? It's not the holidays without this. Right. right. Yeah. For Arbor Day, you got to watch The Happening. Ugh. Oh, my God. That was I, a terrible movie. Doesn't that turn out to be Trees? Right. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's the, uh, sorry, the, yeah. spoiler alert for the, the twist. twist at the end of... Yeah, no, it's the trees communicating over the wind. Kill people. Kill people. It's oh, dumb. Nice. All right. It's super dumb. <laughs> well, now I'm not going to go back and watch that one. Thanks, <laughs> Sam and Steven. That was the thing that stopped you. Um, so we actually have a new game, a special game just for this holiday episode. Yay. Uh, that I like to call, What the Dickens? <laughs> So this was inspired by, as I was reading this novella, rereading it for the first time in a few years, there are some, you know, Dickens is on the same level as Shakespeare in terms of, like, we quote him, Mm -hmm. there are so many turns of phrase that we can link right back to him. But every genius has their missteps, and there are a few (laughs) things that, that Dickens writes, a few turns of phrase that just stand out. So I thought we'd take this opportunity to share some of our... What <laughs> moments from reading this book? Sam, would you like to go first? Uh, no, I think you should because oh, okay. you, you came up with this. Oh, you did say game. you wanted to go last. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, so the, the first one that really just knocked me for a loop, it's early on. It's in the first stave. Uh, when Scrooge is uh, entering his home, he sees Marley's face in the door knocker. And Dickens, sa- Dickens says, and I quote, that it had a dismal light about it like a bad lobster in a dark cellar. <laughs> and is 
Is that like a is that a Victorian thing? <laughs> if a lobster is is like naughty, you put it in the cellar. You're a <laughs> like, bad lobster. You get a timeout in the basement, lobster. Mr. Snips. <laughs> and I know that um, uh, lobster in the 19th century was actually something that like it was a dish that poor people ate. Oh. Lobster was not. For the rich, it was right, actually because who who has a choice would eat a sea bug. Like <laughs> I mean, it is it is a <laughs> makes an, sense a disgusting creature. Um, Maybe they were like iridescent. I don't know, but a bad lobster in a it had a dismal light about it, like a bad lobster in a dark cellar. And I don't. I have. I went back and I reread that so many times, and I'm like, the context is not helping, <laughs> and I don't know what this means. Um, so that really, that really, uh, <laughs> like I was reading that I was reading it on my commute and that's as far as I got on that train trip. I was like, I'm not, I'm not reading any further. I have to stare at this sentence Folder. for a couple hours. Um, <clears throat> the other, the other one that stuck out for me, uh, was in the description of the ghost of Christmas present. So I'm going to quote here. It was clothed in one simple green robe or mantle, bordered with white fur. This garment hung so loosely on the figure that its capacious breast was bare, as if disdaining to be watered or concealed by any artifice. Which, okay. Mm-hmm. Ghost Christmas present is wearing a loose robe, like and you nothing's under it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, that's special enough. But then we get to the end of that stave when mm-hmm. the ghost of Christmas present is about to leave us. And Scrooge says, I see something strange and not belonging to yourself protruding from your skirts. Is it a foot or a claw? And from the foldings of its robe, it brought two children. The go- <laughs> I, We need to live yeah. in this moment, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. The ghost of Christmas present is wearing a, is wandering around town in a loose fitting <laughs> robe. And he has the London fog. Nothing <laughs> underneath it. Except two children. Except two children. Come in and know me better, man. <laughs> it is just, it, it Dickens didn't think this one through. That he's he stopped he right did. in the middle of this one. Or or yeah. so it's <laughs> ignorance and want are having a bad day. Because <laughs> they're just like shoved up against the Christmas present ghost <laughs> junk. Wow. All right. So those are my two. Nice. All right. Uh, I got so I've got two passages that I don't know th- they just made me giggle. Uh, They're both from uh, the start of Fezziwig's party, which I think may be my favorite sequence in the book. Mm-hmm. It's I don't really care about it much in the movie, but in the book I just love his description of everybody coming in and getting ready for the party. Uh, he refers to Fezziwig, and he says uh, he says something about him from the tip of his toe to his organ of benevolence. <laughs> Is and, that what you're uh, calling it these days? Which that, organ is that? That took some... I had to pause for a little bit. I did look it up. It's a phrenology thing. So oh, back in the day when thing. people believed that right. whatever bumps in So that's in your not head, something he's yeah. hiding under his loose-fitting rope for children no, to play with. No, no, no. That All is right. not benevolent. That is his That is his organ of mischief. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, and then he had a sentence that I loved. In came a fiddler with a music book and went up to the lofty desk and made an orchestra of it and tuned like 50 stomach aches. (laughs) (laughs) That is a delightful turn of phrase. (laughs) The fiddler tuned like 50 stomach aches. That's great. Organ of benevolence. I'm going to start complimenting people on their organ of benevolence. Let's see if that gets me kicked out of Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) So, Sam, what was yours? Uh, Mine's not nearly as funny, but I just... 
it made me giggle a little bit at the end. Um, it's when he's first coming into his house and he's kind of talking. He's like, just Charles Dickens is describing Marley's house. And so they're talking about the staircase and they're like talking about how big it is. And there it's a, the quote is driving a coach and six up a good old flight of stairs or through a bad act of parliament. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I read that part too. And I was like, that's, that's an interesting that's, image. I'm like, okay. That is an interesting yeah. image. Okay. That makes, sure. Why not? Let's go. Let's just go with it. When you, when I read something like that or like the, the bad lobster in a dark cellar, I'm like, that's a reference to something else. Right. Yes. What? Yeah, is that? Yeah, and so um, my copy didn't have didn't have rep, didn't have like notes on this kind of thing, but they had um, like kind of the literary ex- the literary references. I was like, mm-hmm. no, I got those. I need help with those. What's <laughs> <laughs> well, like how um, so much of Shakespeare? I mean, he's making he's he's spinning on like things that his audience would have known, right. and we're like, we don't get that. Yeah, yeah. and I think like. Not that anyone's going to be watching the same TV shows in 400 years, but, like, is anyone going to get the reference to we were on a break? Yeah. Right. Yep. What does that mean? Right. Exactly. Sorry, I couldn't come up with anything more intellectual. I don't know why. That's the only one. Well, we've been talking about friends before, so I feel like it's just a logical (sighs) next step. Yeah. 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 Just... I don't actually watch that show that much. (laughs) Yeah. But, no, but, like, that is, like, that storyline has just become part of the fabric it's of part of the theme. lexicon yeah. it's yeah. the zeitgeist it is so what is bad seller in a dark lobster <laughs> nope wait no that's not bad lobster in a dark, dark cellar. cellar yep i said it wrong <laughs> corrected you were just that so excited i was just so excited to bring it back yeah, what is lobster. the historical context <laughs> uh, we may never know no we probably won't it's, um, from the, it's, uh, it's from the Lobster Rotica novel, <laughs> uh, Fifty Shades of Red. <laughs> it's a bad lobster, and he has to go to the dark cellar. Oh, God, I'm going to have nightmares again tonight. Also, Thanks, Lobster Rotica is a word now. <laughs> lobster Rotica. It's well, part of the lexicon. It's in the zeitgeist. Is it, though? It is now. We've created Let's it. Let's get it out there. Hashtag. Hashtag lobsterotica. All right, Merriam-Webster, um, we'd like to recommend a word for the next year's dictionary. For 2019, for 2019. the word of the year, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lobsterotica. Let's make it happen. Make it trend. Let's do it. We can do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But I think it's time for some fake awards now. It is time for fake awards. <laughs> Who wants to go first? I'll go first. All right, Anna. Um, I have a couple. So the Jeff Goldblum Award goes to... The terrifying laughing doll in the shop window. <laughs> um, I'd like to give the little lame boy award to Tiny Tim. Nice. Um, I'd like to give the best everything award to Mrs. Dilber. Everything mm-hmm. she does is fantastic. Nice. As mm-hmm. you said, Stephen, that scene between her and Scrooge when he is um, in the as he is reformed is just so amazing and wonderful, mm-hmm. and I love her. Um, and then uh, this is a little selfish but i'm gonna give myself an award for being the biggest baby uh rereading rereading the death of tiny tim on the train i started crying (laughs) it is so affecting the way it is written because it's it's not the actual death it's soon after the death his body is laid out upstairs his father Mm -hmm. comes home oh Mm-hmm. I have I know the story backwards and forwards. It's not a surprise, but reading that 
about the father mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and I just started crying on the train and I'm nine months pregnant so like no one yeah. actually like no. thinks it's you. weird yeah. if I just burst into tears <laughs> in public but it was still I get weepy at that moment guys. in the movie because Peter is reading Psalm 91 which is what my dad wanted read at his funeral oh. so his best friend read that at his funeral and I was like oh. <laughs> did, but then did I, you did you cry on the train no, just oh, okay. when, when, when I'm watching the movie, I get, oh, okay. that you get a part. little choked up. Yeah, but no. then I laugh because uh, Mrs. Cratchit pauses over her knitting and says, "No, it's the color that hurts my eyes," and I'm like, "Gray hurts your eyes." <laughs> <laughs> so well I, uh, I recover nice. quick. Nice, nice. Uh, I had a Jeff Goldblum award, and in our conversation, it's that the Jeff Goldblum award is something perhaps that is a little jarring, a mm-hmm. little out of place, maybe even a little disturbing. So to in my book, the Jeff Goldblum Award goes to the prize turkey <laughs> that all of the Cratchit children lovingly fondle. <laughs> the uncooked deli- yes, prize the un- turkey. The raw prize. I'm pretty sure Tiny Tim might have salmonella poisoning if it's not, if it's not gin poisoning. Just And they... they, they they stroke it and caress it so sensually that I... It, it is disturbing. Oh, You're right. If you can imagine um, one of them, maybe Peter, having Jeff Goldblum's voice going like, ah, yes, mm, this turkey's as big as Tim. Ah, yeah, very good. Uh, and and uh, uh, there, there it is, yeah. And, uh, That's great. There it is. Yeah. He's stroking the turkey. Microscopic imperfections. Right, right, Life right. Uh, finds a way. And then it goes... Merry Christmas! <laughs> Merry Christmas! And the flares start shooting out of the turkey. Oh, we just referenced a couple of Jeff Goldblum films, yeah. and I am proud of us. He's everywhere. Oh, man. Oh, my show notes are going to be epic. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other fake awards, Stephen? No, that's, 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 the that's, rea- that's the realest award you can give. Sam? To a, to a dead turkey. <laughs> Sam, what are yours? So I do have some awards. Um, because this was the first time I had ever seen this version, um, my <sighs> Jeff Goldblum goes to Mrs. Cratchit, a.k.a. Ellen, the maid from Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. I, like, mm-hmm. I called it out. I called her the wrong name, but I did call her out when I first saw her. I was like, oh, that's a blah, blah, blah. So I was like, and then she <laughs> It took just, you out of it. You recognized it her instantly. Yeah, it did. Um, and then the dude seriously buy some new clothes award goes to Ebenezer Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then we may agree to disagree on this one, but I think the Alec Baldwin Chest Merkin Award goes to the Ghost of Christmas Present. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not saying he doesn't have chest hair of it's, an ample sort. It's just it's not just... necessarily the full-bodied... Well, look, bear in mind, those children he says were clinging to him for warmth. And I think <laughs> he's going commando on there. They're clinging. They're, they're Velcroed to something in there. <laughs> they're just under there braiding and. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Oh, man. So, um, (laughs) and that (laughs) brings us to the end of our 12th episode and our first season. Uh, We do want to take a moment to thank all of our listeners from the bottom of our hearts for joining us on this journey. Every download, Mm -hmm. every retweet, every share on Facebook means so, so much to us. We have loved making this podcast and sharing it with you all. So thank you for being a part of the Adapted Family. 
Um, we are taking a little time off to celebrate the season and to regroup and some of us to give birth. I get few of it. us. Yeah. Uh, but we will be back with shiny new episodes in 2019. And more Rupert. And more Rupert. More Rupert always. We will be kicking off season two with the sci-fi classic The Body Snatchers by Jack Finney and the 1978 adaptation Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which stars John- Donald Sutherland and, as is our tradition now, Jeff Goldblum. And if you want to read ahead, we can give you a preview that our second episode will be one of Sam's all-time favorites, The Thin Man by Dashiell Hammett and the 1934 film of the same name. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I probably won't be able to stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) You have to read The Body Snatchers first, though. I know, I will, I will. Okay, all right. Uh, Season 2 starts April 4th, so mark your calendars. In the meantime, help us spread the word. Rate and review on iTunes. Tell your friends, coworkers, and distant relatives how great Adapted with Anna and Sam is. And we want to hear from you. Send questions, comments, advent calendars, and your <laughs> six degrees to adaptedwithannaandsam at gmail.com. Or post on Facebook. You can find us at Adapted with Anna and Sam. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Adapted Podcast. Let's keep the conversation going. Thanks for listening to Adapted with Anna and Sam. I'm Anna, and I wish A Christmas Prince was based on a book. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Sam, and I wish Victor Victoria was based on a book. Oh, good one. Thanks. I'm Steven, and I wish Edgar Wright's Blood and Cornetto trilogy was based on a book. Excellent. A series of books, even. Right? Greedy. (laughs) Happy holidays. And have a happy 2019. Bye. Bye. Bye.